Hello, everyone. You're listening to the Transaction Trending Podcast. I'm Jason Oxman. Thanks for tuning in. According to ETA's Payments Trends to Watch report, merchants will spend $2.2 billion this year alone on software solutions for their point-of-sale devices. Our report predicts that merchants will spend even more, up to $2.4 billion, in 2019. As we've discussed with ISV and PayFAC leaders on this podcast, software solutions deliver a lot of functionality to merchants. But for acquirers, ISOs, and payment processors, software can also be a vital tool for driving new products, enhancing services, and extending the reach of payments to new verticals. On this episode of Transaction Trending, we're tapping into some of the excellent content we had at this year's Transact, the world's most important payments technology event. Mark Abbey, managing partner at Accenture Payments, kicked off our integrated payments and software track at Transact with an overview of the evolving ISV marketplace. As a leading observer, analyst, and advisor to the payments industry, Mark shared insights on how the ISV market has evolved, the opportunities it presents, and what future trends may emerge. We bring his address to you now from the halls of Transact. Let's take a listen. Hello, everybody, and welcome. It's certainly my belief that integrated payments is the most important topic in acquiring today. And it's an overused analogy, I think, in, in our industry and in business in general. But I do think we're, as an industry, we're facing a real turning point in competition and, and how the industry is structured. Uh, turning points don't happen in a day or a week or a quarter or even a year, and certainly the integrated payments phenomenon we'll talk about now and over the course of the track has been playing out for some time and will continue to play out over the coming years. But there's just no doubt in my mind that this is one of two or three of the most important things happening in our business today. And I'll try to explain why I feel that way and what some of the uh, uh, factors are that, that result in that phenomenon. But our industry has become uh, a little more mature than uh, when, when I started in this business years ago. Where our, on a system average basis, we're growing about 8% a year. That's a volume growth rate. Revenue is probably a few percentage points below that. But when you look at the uh, ISV distribution model, so by that I mean uh, acquirers that are partnering with developers who provide referrals in one form or another to the acquirer, well, that business model is growing at 30, 35% a year. That's remarkable. Uh, a tre tremendous amount of growth, and that alone should grab our attention. Uh, we, our best guess is that the ISV distribution model now represents something that, like 10 to 20% of the volume in the industry, which is a rapid increase from just a few years ago when we first tried to measure that metric. So um, very important, if for no other reason, than it's growing at three or four times most other parts of the business. Put this in perspective, e-commerce is growing in the mid-teens. If, if you strip out Amazon, two or three percentage points lower than that. So this is a, an important phenomenon for our business. So first, it, it's objectively true that software is proliferating across the merchant market, and that this is largely at the expense of more traditional acceptance devices, standalone terminals and the like. The why of this, I think, is driven by a series of both supply and demand factors. So when you look at the software development industry, there's, oh, that, is, that industry itself is highly, highly dynamic. 
for a whole lot of reasons that have nothing to do with payments. So the migration to uh, SaaS models, the, uh, the, the cost of technology, et cetera, just the amount of outside investment occurring in that business. So it's creating this supply push where developers are increasingly developing solutions that are very verticalized, very niche and addressing pools of smaller and tighter needs out in the merchant market. And then on the demand side, on, there's a, an increasing, you know, the average small business person out there uh, in the past has been uh, characterized by you know, multiple disconnected uh, payment uh, processes and services. They'll have a website, they'll have a physical terminal, they'll take uh, calls, uh, phone calls. The, none of this is integrated except maybe in a shoebox in the back, back office. Uh, well, that's all changing, and it's changing real rapidly. So to, to try to put a, a finer point on that, uh, there are a series of um, changes in how consumers behaved. It's hardly a guarded secret, right, that, that consumers are buying in different ways. They're, they are buying across multiple channels. They're, they're buying with different form factors, uh, digital wallets, mobile wallets, et cetera. This is all rippling through to uh, business requirements or needs of the small merchant community. They, they need to be able to address their, um, the way that their, their consumers buy. So, you know, the average small business is now multi-channel very much. They're, you know, they might have a physical uh, storefront, they might have a website, they sell on uh, eBay, they might sell on Amazon Marketplace. So the complexity of the payment environment for merchants driven by how consumers want to transact uh, is is a huge factor in why software has proliferated across the market. And then another factor has been the software developers themselves are engineering real revolution in the merchant experience. You hear a lot of discussion about consumer experience, but in our world what's happening is a revolution of, of the merchant experience. So no longer uh, is the merchant reliant on that shoebox in many of these verticals because the solution they can get from their developer community is essentially um, integrates uh, a lot of that activity for them. And so you, know, you think about some of these, these um, vertical niches out there, like religious organizations, for example, uh, where e-commerce and freestanding kiosks are kind of new ways uh, for uh, faith-based organizations to interact with their constituents, the consumers that are their constituents. And uh, these solutions provided by a series of developers across the market. You know, another example would be fraternities and sororities, just as niche as you can get, different accounting policies, uh, different, uh, as you want to call it that, point of sale environments uh, uh, across their, their membership base, and on and on and on. And developers are creating solutions that um, greatly improve that merchant experience, that the, the ability for the merchant to manage their own business. And that's uh, created this uh, push to uh, pro proliferate these solutions across the marketplace. Nothing to do with payments at, at, at this point, but payments are coming along for the ride. So one of the consequences of, of, of these phenomena is that um, the developer community is becoming just increasingly knowledgeable about payments and uh, our, about our world, the, the, the networks, payment requirements, and the economics. And about two and a half, three years ago, Accenture went out and did some research to focus on, um, gee, among developers of payments-relevant software, how many have, what proportion of them 
have integrated payments into their solution. And our conclusion back then was, was about 50% of the market had uh, gotten to that point. Uh, now we rarely encounter a developer who has not, a, a payments rel a developer of payments relevant solutions who has not integrated payments in some manner uh, into their solution. Now there's a huge range of what that looks like. It can be a preferred gateway, uh, a pre-certified preferred gateway, or it can be a deep integration with a transaction processing partner, or it can be the developer's own uh, white-labeled uh, payment processing service, so a huge range. But we rarely encounter a situation any longer where a developer doesn't have some footprint in, in the payments business. And part of why this is happening is the, just the economics, just the raw economics of it for, uh, for developers. So when you look at software developers themselves, at least in the small and mid-sized developers, they're often earnings poor. They're, the economics of, of, of that business are, uh, are not uh, um, uh, super robust. And there's a huge amount of competition between developers in many of these niche markets. Um, when you layer on uh, uh, the monetization of payments into the uh, software fees, the maintenance or SaaS software fees, it's not uncommon that it'll double the revenue of a smaller, mid-sized developer. You know, the, the way that the developers achieve this kind of uh, monetization differs widely. There's a, a wide range of models, as I'm sure you're all thoroughly familiar, um, ranging from referral fees from uh, acquirers to you know, an ISO or Payfac model, where the uh, developer is participating more directly in the economics. But the, the, the fact remains that the, the monetization of payments uh, can revolutionize the income statement uh, of a developer, and this has caught the attention of the development community, developer community. So you've got uh, a, a proliferation of, of software solutions across the merchant market for reasons that often are not related to payments. They're related to responding to competitive factors, the Amazon effect, to consumer demand, and to the merchant's own uh, merchant experiential needs. And this is happening at the same time that you have a, uh, a greater understanding and knowledgeability of the, the economic possibilities for, uh, for developers who monetize payments. And this has resulted in a number of, uh, of factors. And the, one of them is the amount of M&A activity that we see in the software world. So this research comes from a boutique investment bank called the Software Equity Group, and they, they track this market pretty well. It's pretty interesting research. But uh, there are between 500 and 600 uh, transactions a quarter in the developer world. That, that's astounding. And not all of those uh, developers are developing uh, payments-relevant solutions, but nevertheless, that's a, that is a, a, a whole lot of activity. Um, of those deals, probably 30, 40% are, are SaaS software uh, business models, which means there's a whole lot of on-premise still out there and uh, part of this sort of M&A activity. Uh, interestingly, one-third of, the, um, of the, the buyers are either uh, are portfolio companies of private equity firms and another 8% are pri private equity firms directly. Now, these measures will vary from quarter to quarter but that activity has been fairly consistent over the last, call it six or eight quarters. Uh, that, that means that that's, uh, still the greatest activity is software companies buying other software companies. 
but nevertheless, a good 40% of the activity is being driven by outside capital. And of these sellers, you know, fully a third of them are, um, have developed solutions that are vertically oriented. And the top five are uh, all in really hot acceptance markets coming from the point of view of a traditional transaction processor. So healthcare and education and hospitality and real estate, some of these are very uh, niche emerging acceptance categories in, uh, in payment accept the payment acceptance world. So there are different players out there. Um, from quarter to quarter, there are 15 to 25 different private equity firms that are active in the software market. Uh, but these are some names that come up on, on a recurring basis, uh, serial investors in, uh, in software. So these names are, um, some are, are quite familiar. Some of these players, Vista Equity Partners, for example, has, has owned portfolio companies in traditional acquiring as well in their history. But um, the, the importance of this is that these outside investors are acting as a catalyst to the kinds of changes I'm trying to describe. So the thesis for many of these investors is we're going to go in and we're going to, we're going to acquire these software developers, maybe pre-integration of payments, but certainly pre-monetization of payments. We're going to help them through the process of monetizing payments and their solutions, and then we're going to exit three years, five years, whatever from now with 2x the revenue. And one of the things that this has triggered is just a more rapid pace of this sort of um, a dynamic of this the change that we're observing in the marketplace. So it, it's from the point of view of a traditional acquirer, it's a little bit of a catch-22. You've got the, the developer community that's emerging in the ways that I'm describing, you know, for reasons that have to do with payments and some that have nothing to do with payments, but nevertheless, it's emerging in these ways. And on the one hand, these um, developers are going to be key important partners for a variety of reasons in different parts of our business. Uh, but on the other hand, they're also emerging as competitors with key advantages. So one of our, our long-standing beliefs is that, in, in, especially in the small merchant market, merchants behave, uh, they, they buy in a lifecycle marketing model. So when you, when you think about the average small business out there, when we do research on it, uh, they're, they're called on four or five times a week by salespeople in one form or another in acceptance. But attrition in our industry isn't anything like that. Every one of those salespeople is presenting a lower price. But we, we don't see that kind of switching behavior uh, out in the, in the merchant marketplace. What, what we think describes when merchants are uh, receptive to a pitch is when they hit certain lifestyle events, or uh, life cycle events. So when they're a new merchant, when they change banking relationships, when they hire a professional finance manager, when they open a new store, and when they select a new point of sale solution. So the, uh, uh, selecting a new point of sale solution is a critical life cycle event for a merchant, and, it, and at that moment, they're receptive to a pitch on the acceptance side. It's a huge advantage for the, the developers uh, out there monetizing payments through the solutions. Also, the, the functionality of these solutions are basically, they're business management solutions. These, many of these small businesses manage every aspect of their business using the solution, payment or otherwise. The solution may incorporate inventory control, time and attendance, security, uh, and payments. So the, the value that the developer is bringing to the table in their solution is quite broad. 
So formidable, a competitor with a formidable set of uh, attributes, but at the same time, in many cases, a key partner. And this mix is, is uh, changing market share very rapidly uh, in, in, different, um, in different channels, I guess is the way I think about it. So the, uh, the amount of new sales being driven through technology-enabled channels of different sorts versus other uh, historical forms of selling is uh, rapidly on the change. You know, just, just some examples. You think about, like, um, I don't know, taxi or um, maybe faith-based organizations, maybe even dry cleaners. I mean, these, uh, these acceptance categories, the underlying growth in these categories is relatively flat. I mean, the, these are the, the revenue in these industries is, is growing one or two percentage points um, uh, and, and, and not more. But the amount of um, volume sourced through technology-enabled channels in these relatively mature merchant markets is growing at double digits across the board. Huge shift in how uh, merchants buy and how uh, the uh, acquirers distribute acceptance across the market. So I don't think I'm saying anything that we haven't thought about as an industry before. Um, and you can see that in the investment activity of many of the, the big traditional acquirers. It just illustrates the amount of investment that, uh, that's going into the, into the market. We, we estimate it's been over $6 billion in just uh, acquisition um, uh, CapEx alone, setting aside organic investment across different players. Uh, and that's not a lot in business in general, but that's a huge number in the context of acquiring. Um, and some of these transactions have been um, very high profile. And in just in the last year, we've had four major transactions involving uh, large-scale acquirers and mid-sized specialized players who've developed particular offerings into the developer community. So the Van of Paymetric deal, the first data card connect, first data blue pay, and thesis uh, Cayenne. These are watermark transactions, in my estimation, uh, for our industry. So you know, why is this all important? Um, what, what do I think is going to happen as a result of, of these sorts of uh, actions? It's important for a lot of reasons, I think. It's, it's, first of all, it's, it's going to have a, a direct bearing on product development in our industry. And we're, it's, it's, we're not too far off from all roads kind of leading through software at the point of sale um, for, for product enablement. I mean, I, I think looking back over the last couple of years, I'd, I'd say a lot of the action in our industry has been at the gateway level. There's been a lot of innovation at, uh, among uh, captive independent gateways uh, in product development and product commercialization. But uh, we, we see a whole lot of uh, room for development of these, of these product offerings down at the, uh, at the solution level. And we're going to, it's increasingly just going to be a gate that the um, acquirers and networks and so forth have to address when they're bringing new products to market. So that's one reason to, to think of, uh, about this on a strategic level. As I've been arguing, I also think that we're facing a real fundamental change in distribution uh, for the, the acquiring industry. Um, you know, for all these reasons that I've been uh, trying to lay out, the, um, the way that merchants buy, the, the, uh, the type of product they're being offered, the uh, integration between payment and non-payment offerings, um, the, the, just the leveraging of uh, traditional software distribution channels 
Um, all these reasons are, are going to change the way um, we sell as an industry and you know, are selling as an industry. When you look across um, major players who've made investments in this, in this model, you, you can see the, the difference in, in growth among channels within such businesses. You know, as, as I've argued, I think we're going to face um, competitors, new types of competitors that have uh, different characteristics and in some cases some pretty formidable advantages. So, you know, one view of our industry is that we'll face long-term compression in transactional revenue. You can see that in pockets of the market already. Uh, certainly the price point you have to have out there to sign a new merchant is much lower than it was just a few years ago. Although it's, it's uh, inconsistent, it's heterogeneous. You see different um, price competitiveness in different parts of the market. But I think taking the long view, uh, transactional revenue is going to be under pressure over the certainly a strategic planning time horizon. Um, I think it's also true that most traditional value-added services that acquirers have provided um, have been small and slow. Uh, that the, uh, it's a rare acquirer whose income statement is just made by their value-added services products they, they've brought to market. They're important contributors. They tend to offset the, uh, the margin compression that we're seeing more generally, but they have not yet been a revolution. But then when you look at the revenue pool for point-of-sale solutions, I mean, it's every bit as large as the revenue pool for acquiring. It's, the, it's just a very sizable market in the context of acceptance. So the, uh, we just think that the uh, acquirers and developers alike will um, respond to this set of market factors. And we think we can see that uh, already. Not to pick a global payments, but they've just done very high profile transactions. And uh, the uh, active networks uh, a transaction is an example of a, um, an acquirer buying an end user solution um, and integrating payments into it. It's, the, it's a very interesting move for global payments. They're not the only ones. They're just very high profile one. Uh, I think what we're going to see is acquirers pick spots where they develop, developer acquire business solutions for the end user, end user meaning the merchant, and compete on a lot of the same bases that uh, developers um, are, are evolving to themselves. So basically a convergence of the, these two communities, at least on the edges, over the strategic time horizon. So I'll leave you with, with an analogy that I, I keep coming back to in my thinking on the, these topics. It's, it just feels to me that we are at a moment that really resembles the mid-90s in e-commerce. You know, back in the, 90s, the mid-90s, you had e-commerce emerging, really high growth. By, by 1995, it wasn't a mystery. We, we, you know, everybody kind of understood what it was um, and how transaction processing worked. But nevertheless, it was characterized by a relatively small community of traditional acquirers who had any meaningful position, any meaningful specialization in e-commerce. And a series of players from outside of the business that evolved into e-commerce transaction processing from other businesses that really have nothing to do with banking or, or uh, financial services or transaction processing. And it feels like and then e-commerce became what it became. It became the driver of growth in our industry, even more so in Europe. Um, one that, a, a business that it requires in, 
but a small number of acquirers have a real franchise in. And the uh, became the real driver of, of uh, earnings for those specialists. And I think we're at that moment in the uh, technology-enabled sales, uh, ISV developer world, where it has a lot of the same uh, characteristics. It's a specialized market growing super rapidly. There are a handful of players with a meaningful position in the market right now. And it's early days. I think if this were a ball game, we'd say we're in the third inning. But the nevertheless, a um, a relatively small community of providers who have a specialization around this topic. They're growing very rapidly. There's every reason to believe that uh, this, this community, this distribution model, will capture outsized growth over uh, the foreseeable future. And so, um, you know, for traditional choirs in the room, you know, the reflect back on what the, the, your, your history of e-commerce was and whether you made the moves that, uh, on the time frame that, in, in the perfect hindsight, that your organization might have. And to me, this triggers a real call to action for traditional players to figure out where in this, in this market you want to fit, you can fit, what steps you have to make to get from here to there. Thank you very much. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you for the questions. Please come on by and see the rest of the panels. We hope you enjoyed this leading-edge content that ETA curates for Transact and our other industry-leading events. Our thanks to Mark Abbey, managing partner at Accenture Payments, for joining us. You can subscribe to Transaction Trending on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Now is the time to secure your spot at ETA's Strategic Leadership Forum. Join us October 2nd through the 4th at Dana Point, California. The agenda features unrivaled networking opportunities for the payment C-suite, plus leading-edge keynote addresses on topics like mergers, fintech innovation, and software partnerships. Speakers include leaders like WorldPay CEO Charles Drucker, Fiserv President of Card Services Kim Crawford Goodman, and Monera CEO Angela Brown. We're also very excited to induct ETA's inaugural class of the Hall of Fame. We'll be recognizing the achievements of eight payments industry visionaries in a special ceremony sponsored by Visa and open to all ETA SLF attendees. If you're a payments industry leader, you need to be there. Register now at etaslf.com. I'm Jason Oxman. Thanks for listening to Transaction Trending. This has been Transaction Trending, a podcast powered by the Electronic Transactions Association. ETA is the leading trade association for the payments industry, representing over 500 payments technology companies worldwide. This episode was produced by Laura Hubbard and Patrick Nolan. It was recorded, edited, and mixed by Patrick Nolan. For more information on the Electronic Transactions Association, visit electran.org.